Well, am I on this? Okay. Matt, are you leaving this afternoon? Well, you've been a great help to the church. You've lived a life well. You've left a good testimony here. And um, we will miss you. You've been playing a great piano now for a couple of years and picked it up rather quickly, didn't he? It was quite amazing, he and Josiah. And uh, you'll be greatly missed. What a great young man. Thank you for all the time you've given, bus routes and everything. I did give you a good recommendation, too. I said, watch out for his friend Josiah, but he's a good guy. (laughs) Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Genesis in chapter 45. We've been studying this man, Josiah, Josiah, Joseph in the Bible here for, oh my goodness, several weeks, and in the book of Genesis now for over a year. And it's just been a great, great delight to go slow down and go through the book of Genesis. I, I just never expected that I wouldn't go two or three chapters at a time, to be honest with you. Fifty chapters in the book of Genesis. And I just thought, well, we, we get, but now it's, it's just uh, been over a year. This, this particular passage stood out to me in particular, though. And I just felt like there was a, a message here for the church uh, regarding the, the life of Joseph. The Joseph story is, is somewhat well-known. I think there's a play or a musical something years ago that was done on the life of Joseph, and perhaps, I don't know if they, I've never seen it, uh, a movie about it before, but perhaps stories about Joseph's life. But it's an incredible story of a young man that was his father's favorite, had a dream. He told his brothers about the dream, how they would do obeisance to him. They would bow down to him someday. And, of course, that didn't go well with the brothers, and, and uh, it wouldn't have gone well with my brothers either, to be honest with you. Daddy chastised him a bit like that's, that wasn't very wise, telling your brothers this. But the brothers wind up, they, they hated Joseph. Father had just given him the coat of many colors, which meant the birthright. Of course, he was not the eldest. He was literally, at the time, the youngest son. But yet he was given the birthright. And so he was certainly greatly envied by his brothers, which turned to hatred. And then, as you know, they sold him into slavery. He winds up sold uh, to men that are going to Egypt, and he winds up in Egypt in the house of a man by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar recognized great, great leadership and, great, and, and the hand of God being on this young man. And Potiphar's wife falsely accused him. And, uh, of course, Potiphar... Uh, certainly responded to that. Now he's in jail. Between slavery and being in bondage to Potiphar, and then for all the time that he was in jail, I think it was about 15 years of his life, 15, I believe he was 15 years old when he, when, he, when he was sold. At 30 years old, he became second in command and ruler of all of Egypt. It is said in the Bible that Pharaoh himself, the king, Pharaoh, the only thing he really kept track on, what he, what he was having for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, everything else, everything else was in the hand of Joseph. Just completely, he knew that God was with this young man. His brothers now have returned. Starvation is setting into them, and they realize that they have to go to Egypt to get some food. As you know, the dream of Joseph, that his brothers would bow down and do obeisance to him. Well, truly, they did. They came, and he was... Uh, the man that they uh, saw, and of course he recognized who they were. They did not recognize him. A lot of series of events. 
But eventually, Joseph told them who he was. When he told them who he was, you can imagine these men are pretty overwhelmed with fear because he has total control over them. He is in Egypt, and he is he's the man. And so they're in great fear that their brother, who they had sold, threatened to kill and then ended up selling him, uh, was going to have his way with them, and rightly so. And so these men are greatly in fear. If you look at chapter 45, let's look at verse number 5. I got just a bit of a ring, fellas. Now, therefore, be not grieved. He's speaking to his brothers. He's just told them, I'm Joseph. Let me read verse 40. And Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall be neither uh, ear, uh, be ear or harvest, earring or harvest, so no, no crops for five more years. And God's, God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. In other words, he was feeding them. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Heavenly Father, guide our hearts and minds through this passage. Father, may we be challenged by what wonderful God we have and what great possibilities in life and opportunities that you give us as believers. I pray that the, the message would be clear. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Joseph's life, even though it looked like a really bad start, his brothers hate him. They've sold him into slavery. He's enslaved. And you see these things happen in his life, and you would say, man, what a, what a rough start for a teenage boy. Hated so much by your brothers. They sold you. They wanted to kill you. Reuben kind of talked, down, talked him down from that. They ended up selling him off into slavery. But you look at his life and the hatred for his brothers and everything that's happening, and then, then he winds up, you know, he's, he's a slave in Potiphar's household. God blessed him there for sure. And then, of course, Potiphar's wife accused him, and so now he's in jail. And he's in this, this process of time, where he might have been 10 years in jail, in prison. Now he was made uh, like he was in Potiphar's house. He was given great responsibilities there. But understand, that this man's life is nothing to be envious of. It's, it's, it's a rough life. This man, Joseph, can I tell you that the random acts of evil by his brother were no mistake. Now, did God put it in their heart to do this to him? No, I don't believe he did. But God knew these men and God knew what they would do. He knew that. I think that the evil in their own hearts was, was their own evil in their hearts. But God allowed these men to go through this, and all of it was part of God's plan, and God was in it. And Joseph is trying to console them by saying, understand, 
that this don't be grieved. Don't be angry with yourselves. You sold me hither for God did send me before you to preserve life. It's an interesting thing here is this man has this forgiveness in his heart for his brother and he um, Nate, I think I would have done something about that myself. That would have, at least a little bit, right? He, he, he gave them some challenges. He gave them some testing to see if they really had turned it around and they were not the men they used to be. But he certainly brought no harm to his brethren. In spite of the way they treated him, he brought no harm. Jesus Christ, our Lord, died on a cross. He came to an evil world and evil men accused him. And of course, put him on a cross. He's rejected of the Jews, his own people. Do you think the rejection of the Jews is why Jesus Christ wound up on the cross? I think we'd all say, well, no, that's not why he wound up on the cross. Do you think that not, not, not the rejection of Jews, but do you think, you think Pilate is why Jesus Christ was on the cross? Oh, I think we'd all say, well, no. He, you know, of course, Pilate should have let him go free, so to speak, or should have done a lot of things. But bottom line is we don't look at Pilate and say, well, this is all Pilate's fault. We don't, we don't look at the Jews and say it's all the Jews. No, I, I think the Jews believe that we think that way. We don't. But they believe that we think that way. The Christians uh, are upset with them because of Christ. They don't understand that Christ is our Savior. And the cross was for us. Do you think the cross was based on the Jews? Do you think it was based on Pilate? Do you think it, Barabbas? Give us Barabbas. You think when the people, and they gave him a choice, which do you choose? Do you want Jesus or do you want Barabbas? I'll let one of them go. And the people are shouting, give us Barabbas. Do you think that's why Jesus died on the cross? Oh, I think you'd all agree. No, no, that's, that's not why Jesus died on the cross. The high priest that just was absolutely beside himself, insistent, that Jesus Christ had to be crucified and treated Jesus so roughly himself, mocking the Lord. Was it the high priest? Because he probably had the power to bring this to a halt. Jesus Christ, obviously, at this point, is a famous religious leader. The high priest, though, could have stopped it. But no, no, he put, he put more gas on the fire. Do you think the angry mob that is shouting, crucify him, crucify him, do you think that's why Jesus is on the cross? Oh, when we look at it, humanly speaking, we'd say, oh, yeah, all of those things is why Jesus is on the cross. But we know that's not why Jesus is on the cross. He came to earth from heaven, the very Son of God, to die on that cross. All these events that took place in his life certainly led him to the cross, and all these people that were part and parcel of sending him to the cross. That, that phrase that, that the Jewish people say is, let his blood be on us and our children's children. Oh, my, that phrase, Brother Flogger, just, oh my goodness, I can't imagine saying that. Let the blood of Christ be on us and our children and our children's children. My goodness, what a horrible thing to say. But yet we find out this mob and all these things that are going on in his life, are they somewhat despicable? Well, sure. That's not why he's on the cross. It was the will of God from the very foundation of the world that Jesus Christ was going to die on the cross. It's an amazing thing as we look at our Lord Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, living a sinless life, healing of the multitudes, feeding of the thousands, 
falsely accused and arrested, condemned to death, beaten, nailed to a cross for the sins, then rose from the dead. This was not all happenstance. All these people just got this all together. There was no happenstance to it. This was a plan of God before the foundation of the world. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, I'll read it for you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Why are we holy and without blame? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why. Jeremiah 1.5, the great prophet Jeremiah says in the Bible, obviously God speaking, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God ordained this man to be a prophet of God before the birth. We use this text in relationship to abortion that God knows us before we're ever born, before we're ever conceived. God knows who we are. Joseph is trying to explain to them that this is, was of God. Think about this. His dream was many, many years before this ever happened. And yet it is taking place literally in front of their very eyes as they're doing obeisance and bowing down to him, not realizing it's their brother. In everything, every detail, there was a purpose. There was a plan. Everything was coming together. It was not some accident that Joseph is a type of Christ. And that you look at his life, a life that is a truly a life. It's not a story. This is a man, Joseph, that lived. And he was who he said he was. And so everything there had a purpose, not an accident. I would ask you this question. Who do you think you are? Do you think jealousy and hatred somehow drives the will of God's plan? Well, of course not. God has a plan for everything. But of course, these things are not what God's plan is. Does he allow things in our life? We're marred clay in the hand of a, a God, a potter. God takes us and he molds and he makes us to be fashioned like until he wants to use us in his glorious work. Should we obey God's word? Well, certainly. We don't want to go through life just doing everything we can to be bad people and evil people. And all. Of course, of course, we're not going to live that way. We're Christians. We have Christ with us. We have the Holy Spirit within us to guide and direct us and to help us. So we're not going to live our lives in an evil fashion as believers. Of course not. But still, we do understand that God has to mold us and make us and use us in his miraculous way because we're not being able to serve God without God. Maybe this morning you're looking at your life and you say, Pastor, my life's quite a wreck. It's quite a wreck. I'm not in the position Joseph was in being in jail, but I'm glad to be here this morning. But you look at your life and you can't quite figure out exactly how all this is going to come together in my life. I've got a lot of things going on, Pastor. I've got a lot of aches and pains. I see Miss Betty and, and John over there. Life's not easy for John and his mom. 
I would say, dare say, every day is a pretty hard day for them. And I could go to every section and I could tell you people in this section, this section, oh, what is it? They've got things in their life that are causing their lives to be hard. Things are difficult for many people in this room. Can I tell you something? Don't give up on God. Pastor, my life doesn't, doesn't look like, I, I don't know how I can work things out in my life. Dr. Hiles used this illustration. A pastor had called him with some trouble in his life. And I'll never forget this, this sermon. And he said, Pastor, Pastor Hiles, I don't know what I'm going to do. Now, here's my, I'm going to tell you what the message that, the, the paragraph that I'm going to give you right here. And I'm, as your pastor, I'm telling you, this is what you do. On Sunday morning, on Sunday morning, get up out of bed. Okay? Get butt out of bed. And uh, if possible, take a shower. If you have one, maybe get a bath. Shave, get dressed, go get in the car, come to church. Come to church. Never stop that, never quit it. The answer is Christ. Just get up, put your clothes on, come on to church. If you ain't got time for a shower, throw a little deodorant and come on to church. Don't leave it behind in your life. Life circumstances are going to discourage you at times, but get up and do what you're supposed to do for God. Pastor, do you know why things happen? No, I don't. I've told you this story before. A lot of new people in the church. Our son Clinton nearly drowned on a Thursday. Rushed to the hospital. Um, never, never responded again. He lived for, for 12 years after that. Um, this was on a Thursday. Happened to be during pastor school. But it was on a Thursday. They told us that he probably wouldn't live more than a couple days the numbers were way beyond, They're very precise. Near drowning of toddlers is very common. So they know the numbers. So they said he probably will die today or tomorrow. Um, then they went down to, this was Thursday, and then they said if he, if he holds then, he'll, he'll, he'll pass away on Sunday. He won't, I don't think he'll make it to Sunday, but if, if he makes it, he'll, he'll probably pass away on Sunday. I, Betty and I didn't go to church that Sunday. Okay. Um, during the course of the next week, he survived. The next Sunday, I took my two oldest boys. Of course, Dylan was not born. That Sunday, we went to church, sat in our regular spot in the balcony where we always sat. And... Uh, I assume to this day that Dr. Hiles didn't realize we were there. Uh, we were sitting in a regular spot, but it wasn't in his, necessarily his eye zone. We get to the message, and the entire message is Clinton. And, uh, and I'm sitting on the balcony, and my two boys, and I realized 
I'm going to cry through this whole message. So, Al, I determined this. I'm never going to wipe my eyes because most of the people that are going to look over at this section are too far away to tell what's going on in, down my face, right? They're too far. So I just sat there and just rained all the whole service. And I, I know, I guarantee you, Dr. Hiles didn't know I was there. Get up and go to church. Get up and go to church. I'm not telling you because I didn't do it. I did. We were moved to another facility. We were there for five months. And every Sunday we, we found a church that was uh, just a really good church and just, I don't know, it was such a comfort. I will tell you, it was such a comfort to go to church. Just to walk into the church and sing the songs of God. It's such a comfort. Don't throw it out of your life because circumstances say, well, I give up. Never give up. Church is a comfort to you. Clinton lived 12 years, passed away when he was 14. Never responded in all those years. Get up and go to church. We picked him up, and we took him to church every week. He got bigger. We picked him up and took him to church. Stay in church. You say, Pastor, you believe in church? Yes, I do. But sometimes you, what happens, you look at your life and you say, Pastor, I don't know how I can, I'm going to work all this out. Well, join the club. We're all in that position. But what ends up happening is we make a really poor decision, and the thing that we eliminate from our life because things are going hard, the first thing to go sometimes, and I have no idea why, but it's church. We somehow believe that maybe God doesn't know what he's doing. What, why did God allow this in my life? Is God just, is he missing the point here? Does he see what's going on in my life? What, what, is, what is going on? I will tell you something. God has a plan for your life. There's no one else that's got a plan for you like God does. Trust God. Stay faithful. Don't drop out of church. Christian people, there's never an excuse to quit and blame God. Joseph, he could have been mad. He could have stayed mad. And guess what he would have been? He would have been a slave in Potiphar's house the whole time. That's where he would have been probably getting beat, probably disobedient, rebellious. Had he done all these things, guess what would have happened? His life would have been trashed. But what did he do? He trusted God. He stayed faithful to God. And what did God do to his life? He fulfilled the plan that God had for his life. The dream that he had, we know, came to fruition. The boys are now kneeling before him, unbeknownst to them, but they're bowing down to him. They desired to kill him. Maybe you can't figure out why life is hard for you. Pastor, what should I do? Just keep doing right. You're a child of God. God's ways are perfect. They're right. Don't stray from them. God has a plan for your life. You say, but Pastor, there's, there's things that, that are rough in my life. Well, these boys, I will tell you, we're part of a God's plan in spite. You look back at your life, maybe you say, well, maybe there's some things in my life. Let me tell you something. There's an amazing thing about God. He will take those things, those tangled strands of life, and he will use them for, your, for his glory. You think, I wish I could undo those things. Well, you can't. Go forward for Christ. You know, when you're born again, you're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away, and all things become new. 
go forward in Christ. Don't, don't look at your life and say, well, I can't do anything because of fill in the blank. Are you going to patiently follow Christ? Are you going to follow his plan? He's got a plan for you. Are you going to decide to be the, your own master? If you decide to be your own master, you will get to the end of that trip and you won't be where you started. You'll be in worse shape than when you took over your own life. Stay faithful to God. God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Stay on that path. I don't care who you are in this room. You're going to be tempted to get off that path. I don't care who you are. You're going to find a day, a way, that you're going to see that I just got to give up. Understand God is in control of your life. Verse number 6. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and there are five years in which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. But God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth, to save your lives by great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of all the land. God is working in your life and molding and making you for his purposes. Those things which are in your past, God will mold them into the pattern of your life and make your life productive. Joseph had every right to be filled with hatred and bitterness, but he wisely trusted in God of heaven who was in control. Can I tell you today, follow Christ. Follow God. Stay where you're supposed to be in church. Maybe you're new to the church. Just, just, just come every week. You won't, you won't, you won't be new next week. You, you'll be, this will be your second time. And then, you know what? In a month, it'll be your fourth time and so on and so forth. You won't be new. You'll be part of the church. And that's where God wants you, in church, following Christ. There's many in the room this morning that probably could figure out a way to get bitter over what has happened in their life over the course of life. But you're sitting here this morning. And I hope this morning you can take just a little bit of encouragement in spite of the struggle, in spite of the pain, in spite of the suffering. I'm going forward for Christ. I can admonish you something this morning if you don't know Christ as your Savior. Your life literally is a happenstance. Joseph's life, we would look at it and we'd say, oh, no, that's no happenstance. We would look at Jesus Christ and say, that's no happenstance. That's miraculous stuff. Can I tell you something? Your life can be a miraculous life. It's not a happenstance. You're a child of God. This world wants to tell you that, that these babies are of no value. They're just, what do, what do they call them? Uh, they don't call them aborted babies. They A fetus or something, they call them. Well, that's not what they are. They're children. They have a life to live. Thank, thank the Lord we have an opportunity to, to, to bring some of this to a halt. Understand who you are in Christ. Understand if you're without Christ, though, he has a plan for your life. Why don't you come to Christ and start walking down the path that Christ has for you, the plan that Christ has for your life? Your life is going to come to a dead end without the Lord Jesus Christ.
And you truly will be looking for how you're going to get out of situations in life. And you'll find yourself in a hopeless situation. Many, many, many people are finding themselves in that position. Come to Christ. There's always hope in Jesus Christ. This morning, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, come immediately when the invitation starts in a moment and trust Christ as your Savior. It is the only hope any of us have for heaven. It is the only hope any of us have for a life that's fulfilled and full in service for Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Let's all stand together. If you don't know Christ this morning, don't consider anything else that's going on in this room, which is just people standing up, that's all. Just think of one thing, I need, I need Christ in my life. We can take the word of God in just five minutes, show you in the Bible how you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you can be walking a life that has purpose, that has promises in heaven, a life fulfilled, a life for Jesus Christ. Trust him today. Christians, I would challenge you this morning. If you feel like your life is tangled up and you don't know how you're going to figure it out, just stay faithful. Maybe you want to come pray at the altar. Commit yourself to the Lord that you're just going to stay faithful in spite of the circumstances of your life. I'll make a prayer and we'll have a song sung. Come quickly to the altar. Come quickly and I'll meet you right here and we'll have somebody take the word of God. If it's a lady, we'll have a lady. If it's a man, we'll have a man show you how you can know Christ as your own Savior. Our invitation will be sung. Father, thank you for this service. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you work in hearts right now, please. For those that are lost, may they not leave here like that. May they know Christ. For those, Father, that need to make a decision in their life, things are out of control in some ways and they can't figure them out, I pray, God, that they, in their heart or at the altar, just rededicate themselves that they're going to be faithful to the Lord and trust God through the circumstances and see what miracles he can do in their life. We'll have our invitation sung. Every head bowed and every eye closed while we have our invitation. Don't hesitate. 